Welcome to the True Works Podcast, the podcast that equips you to see how the gospel can transform your life and your work. I'm your host, Joshua Smith, and here is my co-host, Doug Minkle. Doug, welcome to the show. This is great, Joshua, and I'm upgraded to co-host. Yes. I feel privileged. Yeah, you, well, you should, Doug. I am. I am. I yeah. feel privileged. Thank you for that. Thank but you for the upgrade. nothing more than co-host. Uh, no, no, it's, I have no greater ambition. Good, good. It's yeah. not coming. Because today we are talking about our, I guess this is our 11th podcast. 11th podcast. Yeah, we're talking about, uh, inspired by the work mm-hmm. of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, his work, Life Together. And we're not going to go through uh, chapter by chapter or anything like that, but the theme of the book of the importance to not only the activity of the church, but really the church's identity as believers communing together and in that communing, the special way that Jesus binds his believers and his followers together. Yeah. So before we get into the uh, details or the theses of uh, what he had to say in that book, let's talk about a little of Bonhoeffer, who he was and when he, when he lived. So he was a uh, German theologian, uh, yep. Quite, Pastor and theologian, yeah, quite astute. I mean, he, uh, he, he. The, the the book that we kind of are using for our faith work intensive has quite a different tone from his kind of earlier work, which was yeah. super academic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a technical term. Super, super academic. academic. Yes, yeah. that's what you philosophers use, I guess. Um, but yeah, but he became famous. Uh, I guess probably mostly after mostly after his life uh, because mm. of a couple of different books. One was obviously Life Together, but the second of which was The Cost of Discipleship, I think. Mm. And both of those were written um, not, in his, not in his kind of academic tone, but in his tone to serve the church, mm-hmm. to serve people who were just trying to make it through life and uh, make it through life. And, and his circumstances, of course, very trying circumstances, uh, his uh, his life really was came to um, he came to sort of academic fullness in uh, in the early years of the Nazi Party in the early 30s. Mm. So he was in Germany during the rise of uh, Nazism, and in fact, I think I'm right in saying that he was actually in New York uh, at uh, Columbia Seminary or something like that. I think mm-hmm. and or chose, Union I think. Union. No, yeah. you're right. It's Union Seminary and. Uh, and chose to go back to Germany to be a faithful witness in Germany. Mm. And, and and people were begging him. American uh, theologians yeah. were begging him, or begging American him. friends were yeah, begging, begging him. him to stay because they knew that if you were set against the Nazi party, then... It's a death certificate, yes, basically. There was uh, their chances of surviving that were pretty small, yeah. Mm. And uh, to add insult to, to injury, uh, his he eventually did did die yeah. by execution, yeah. and the execution was quite gruesome. It hung by, as far as I know, piano piano strings, wire, piano yeah. wire, piano wire. Uh, just two or three weeks before the official end of the war. Yeah, uh, so so close to yeah. the end, and uh, quite a testament to courageous faith. Yeah. Uh, that he would do yeah. that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are many letters uh, also written by him that are extant, so you can go read his letters. His letters mm-hmm. also to his uh, to his fiancee, and 
Yeah, and letters to others, mm. letters to folks who uh, from prison in Flossenburg to uh, to others that had either been in seminary with him in the underground seminary that he had formed, because he was part of the beginning of the German Confessing Church, and there was. Uh, Tell us a little about the German Confessing Church. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, but uh, I think the important part of it is that, um, and maybe folks misunderstand this today. They don't understand this part of Nazism. Nazism was something that was. Uh, not only something that took control of the sort of means of means of production, the kind of economic means of production of the state, the full mobilization of the state, but also co-opted the church, the German church mm-hmm. uh, as well. And, the, and, and there was almost kind of a theological vision for Nazism as well set against that. And, and many of the traditional churches in Germany went along with that, went along with that tide. Bonhoeffer and others... Uh, created the German confessing church, uh, confessing in the sense of confessing the true nature of their faith and mm-hmm. the true nature of the God that they worshipped. And uh, if you want to kind of get a summary of that, there's uh, a confession that uh, that you can find called the Barman Declaration. I think that was in 1934. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, it, and, and when you read that, you're, you have to read it in the context of here are people saying to the Nazi party who are co-opting the church mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that that can never happen to the true and faithful church. And mm-hmm. that we will confess that we are part of the true and faithful church and we will never bow the knee. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that did would send many of those guys, if they were to be pastors, into a kind of underground organization. And part of, in fact, Bonhoeffer's book here, Life Together, the context of that book is the the underground or private seminary that he founded, and he taught within and lived within with these uh, pastors of the German Confessing Church. Mm. So yeah. it's composed in this high stakes kind of environment where the confessing church they've they've made this declaration this confession uh and they are attempting to be faithful to the gospel and as i read about the history of bonhoeffer out of this pressure and these dangers that the church faced and the the conviction that he had to stay faithful to yeah. the true king yeah. out comes these incredibly pastoral works yeah. because he wants to equip his uh parishioners his yeah. uh followers to be able yeah. to what what binds us what will at the end of the day even if we die what is our identity in yeah so and I think there's a tendency today, in my in my opinion at least, to to sometimes read Bonhoeffer in a almost kind of this romantic way that mm. he is he is talking about. Wouldn't it be fun if we all lived together and did cool stuff together? Uh, live in a commune. Live in a commune. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What people don't know is Joshua's wife advocates for us all to go off and live in a commune. Yes. In yeah. North Carolina or Kentucky or something. Just somewhere away from civil- civilization. <laughs> yeah. So we're not going to do that, and that's not what Bonhoeffer is asking for either. And the, the reason why I'm bringing up that kind of romanticized view is that it, that's not what Bonhoeffer is saying at all. He is saying that this community where we live together as Christians, remembering first of all that it was formed. In 
in opposition to this dominant political force, and they're saying, no, we're going to, we will confess what we will confess, and you will not put words into our mouth that we do not believe. That's the sort of true nature of the church. That's the true nature of our existence and uh, and faithfulness, and what will that mean in the world? That's That's really what he's trying to get at, and it's not just some retreat or fun thing that one does. It is how does one kind of form oneself along with others to take on the whatever the world places in front of you. And it, it's certainly not a retreat to add on to that because the the church functions as a testimony to the world. I mean, uh, we, we could get pretty far into kind of German theology of the day and the, some of his responses to Bart. Uh, but one of the key points is that if you want to show the world, if you want to testify to the truth of Jesus Christ, what, what vehicle are you going to use for that? Are you, are you going to appeal to philosophical arguments? Are you going to appeal to, look, we have historical evidence of the resurrection, all have their place. But for Bonhoeffer, none of them are the essential because the essential witness of the reality and the truth of Jesus Christ is his followers, yeah. his church. His church, yeah. If you want to know, in Bonhoeffer's uh, words, if you want to know the transformation, the reality, the reigning of Jesus Christ, look to his servants, yeah. look to him. And yeah. he was, in a way, not only encouraging uh, Christians, but also, in a way, purifying them. Listen, this is not... <laughs> that no. this is not something you tack on to your life. No. And for for people listening to him in the underground seminary, they understood that full well. Yeah. We're in a completely yeah. different context today. Sure. Uh that well it's easier. I would so I think there's a ways. little bit of nuance to that. And okay. we each of us face the context that we are given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we can be thankful of is that Bonhoeffer, in that context, was able to stand for the power of the church. And we'll get to a couple of the, be- if you like, the behaviors of the believer and the behaviors of the believing community in a minute. But you know, you know, as I observe our church world in the United States today, um, it just seems to me that we have we have failed the challenge. Uh, that was placed in front of us by our context. Mm. Uh, because as you were saying there, it says, you know, if you look at the church, that's how you see Christ's power in the world or Christ, that transforming uh, entity in the world. That has really been our weakness is that ultimately we, uh, it seems to me that the church in our modern day and in North America has often tried to wield the tools of power and failed miserably and how they do that. Mm-hmm. And they've left behind this because one thing about the, these tools, these tools that Bonhoeffer suggests of community are not the, not the tools of power. They are the tools ultimately to some extent of weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is in many ways uh, following after our yeah. Lord yeah. Uh, who did not come to wield the sword. No. Uh, he will one day, but that's not, that's church in its triumphant yeah. Uh, no, excuse me. How, what what's the distinction there? There's like there's church in the future. Yeah. Church glorified, but church triumphant or something. No, it's like. tr- I think isn't it church triumphant in the future? Church in the f- militant. Militant. The, there we the go. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. See, yeah. Doug, you are so helpful to this. Gee, thanks. Yeah, to this whole. Endeavor. I really appreciate it, especially when you patronize me like that. I really yes. appreciate that. Yeah, you're you're welcome. You're welcome, Doug. Um, 
anyway, so, but one thing about the book, and I think it's important to bring this up because it's very, sort of, we're trying to encourage the people, the, the faith and work intensive to pick up this book. There's a couple of themes in it that I think that you guys will find, I think you'll find quite challenging. He balances the day that we spend with each other in terms of the day alone and also the day with others. Mm. And uh, it's the balance, we need both. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he is is kind of critical of the inward turn that people have uh, have taken. It's just me and Jesus. What yes. else do I need? So that for him is is you need time alone. You need time with yourself. Uh, but if you only have time yeah. with yourself, mm-hmm. then that's not a balanced. Uh, that's not a balanced community, and that's not even a balanced personality. At the same time, the day spent with others is necessary necessary to your human flourishing. But if you have only that and you have no time to be alone with yourself and alone with God, then again, there's this un, there's this unbalanced nature of your Christian life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And interesting, if we, if we kind of apply this to our current culture, uh, Christian culture and wider uh, culture, it's like we have different streams that are against both of those, right? Uh, we obviously have this inward turn mm-hmm. where really uh, it's kind of the privatization of religion. Keep yep. it in your closet, and if you do that, you're you're all good. Um, and then we have this kind of opposite turn where it's like if we just you know get everybody together and have a good old time, everything will be fine. And we look at, you've mentioned several times, we look at our world that is often uh, some of the loneliest uh, that yeah. we have, this call back to community. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's so helpful for me with Bonhoeffer is community is not m- only me, say, loving my brother Doug. Whenever there is community, there are at least three parties because Christ is in between us, bonding us yeah. uh, together mm-hmm. as brothers in Christ. Um, and so uh, the focus as uh, constantly to this reigning uh, Christ, but also to our context that we're in, uh, kind of uh, in the here and now yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, there's a, again, I, I think it's it's tempting sometimes, I think, when you read through this book to sort of romanticize it. And it's a pretty short book. You'll get through this book relatively easily. Uh, it's easy to romanticize it. But that's not what Bonhoeffer's after at all. He's after a community that is uh, strong enough to take on whatever is placed in front of it. And in his context, obviously, it was a pretty profound challenge, pretty mm-hmm. profound challenge. And in fact, later in his life, Bonhoeffer, himself a committed pacifist, had to come to terms with being part of the plot to assassinate Hitler. You know, mm-hmm. I think the 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 movie Valkyrie, yes, yeah, yeah the movie yeah. Valkyrie uh, talks about that plot, or kind of that's the main kind of plot line within the movie. And Bonhoeffer was a part of that conspiracy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bonhoeffer was a part of that conspiracy. And the challenge that Christians face uh, faced in his day but also in our own day are are not only these kind of external factors of some type of military force or something like that, but also are within the church. Yeah. Because again, against this kind of romanticized view of the church as uh, unified and as communal, well, you have people in the church that disagree with one another. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and, and despite the disagreement, 
uh, kind of in our own time, the only type of disagreements we know how to talk of is political, and it's always po polarized. But uh, Bonhoeffer would say, but it should not be so in the church. No. Like we can uh, respectfully disagree, but there should be a deeper unity that grounds yeah. us uh, and uh, we shouldn't say, oh, well, they're this kind of Christian instead of this kind of Christian. No, the fundamental uni unitary fabric that bonds us yeah. together is Christ, and we can come at the same table yeah. uh, to discuss uh, God's kingdom. Yeah. So you'll enjoy, I mean, you guys will enjoy this book, um, but just a couple of passing thoughts before we get to the end here. Uh, one is that f I think for Bonhoeffer, Obviously, this kind of deep central unity of the church is before the world of politics, right? It's more foundational than the world of politics. One of the reasons why— but And explain that just a little, before the world of politics, not before our modern world of politics. You mean something more fundamental, I think, than yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, so that's the, the true reality of, of all life is, is kind of made manifest in, in the redeemed people of the church, mm, yeah? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when we say things today that we can't, we can't, we can't argue about anything because we're just, it's just all so political, it's because we have replaced that deep unity of the church as a redeemed people and but we've not we've we've made that secondary or maybe even tertiary and placed as primary the kind of binary left versus right of our modern politics mm -hmm. so therefore we can't argue there's no we have no basis by which we have no foundation with which we can on which we can agree mm -hmm. no no foundation where we can actually have an argument where we both agree on first principles yeah it's already divided yeah. the, the argument is already divided and what he would say it's not like you get absolved from political action in this book and remember bonhoeffer was the guy who had to wrestle with his pacifism and say no this guy needs to die this i may be a pacifist but this guy must die yeah, must mm -hmm. die. And that was a profound struggle for him as he went through his life. Um, but he, so it's not like you get absolved from the realities of the world, but when this community lives well and lives with its God, it has a basis for which, for ministering to the world that just isn't through the frame of politics at all. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the real profound things about this book. Second thing I was going to mention is that. For you folks that like cinema, um, Terrence Malick's latest movie, um, the hid a, hidden a, hidden, a Hidden Life. Mm -hmm. So it's not about Bonhoeffer, but it's about the it's the same t it's set in the same time, yep. a true story, mm -hmm. and uh, the the end of the man's life in A Hidden Life took place in the same prison that, in fact, he and Bonhoeffer were in prison at the same time for a oh, short, oh, for a short period of time. That. Oh, my yeah, goodness. For a short period of time. So the context, I mean, to it's get a same. sense so, of and, the context. And many of, and many of the scenes uh, is when he goes to prison and also when he's presented before the Nazi court, uh, uh, that's in the movie. This is not Bonhoeffer. This is the, the, the movie. Uh, they're filmed in the same places that Bonhoeffer. They, it was filmed mm -hmm. in Flossenburg Jail. It was also filmed in where he was, uh, where 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 Bonhoeffer was tried. Mm. Also, I think there's a real key thing in that movie, a real key scene in the movie, where the and this I think is illustrative of Bonhoeffer's point of and Bonhoeffer's point of the strong community that lives with each other. Um, 
that uh, the Nazi prosecutor comes to him uh, and says, look, just say these words and you will be free. You will be free. Mm. And he looks back at the prosecutor and says, but I am free. And the prosecutor has no way to process mm. this, no mm. way to process this, because again, mm. here's someone who had this deep sense of freedom mm. that he was granted not by his circumstance mm-hmm. or not by some kind of political authority, but was granted by something that was eternal and with him forever. Mm-hmm. That's the power of this book uh, for Bonhoeffer, is that we are a community that Yes, there are practices that we can adopt, the day with others, the day alone, the way that we break our bread together. You know, he talks about, I think of myself a lot in the book and that uh, he always talks about, isn't it pathetic, those guys that eat lunch at their at their Yes, at their this workplace. has been a recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I'm, I do that way too often. And every time I do, I always think of Bonhoeffer telling me, like, what are you doing, man? You should be having your supper or having your meal with others. That's such a blessing from God. And the fact that you ignore it, just you're crazy. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't use those words, of course, but you'll, you'll, if you, as you read it, you'll, you'll come across that illustration and all us modern Americans are going to think, hmm. Maybe we've got that all wrong. Yeah, but yeah. for him, that's that you're, you're constantly celebrating being part of this community, this this you know this reality that uh, that kind of goes on through eternity. It's uh, we read lots of good books in the faith and work intensive, and uh, this is one of them. We also read many groundbreaking books in the faith and work intensive, and this is also one of them. Mm-hmm. You'll find this is this is obviously written by a German Lutheran, but uh, you'll find this has served the church in every in every form at all, in all of its circumstances around the world. So uh, we really hope that you'll enjoy this book. Well, I think that does it for today. I thank you so much for. Joining us today as we looked into some themes that were inspired by Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his great book, Life Together. This has been the True Works Podcast. You can find our podcast on anywhere that podcasts can be found or on our website at trueworkshouston.org. Thank you so much.